Hello, and welcome to the Pioneering Today podcast with me, Melissa K. Norris, the author of The Made From Scratch Life and from MelissaKNorris.com. I'm so excited to have you join me today. So this is episode number 89, and we're going to be talking about eight tips for getting it all done, how we manage to run a full-time homestead. My husband and I both work outside the home and just how to stay sane during this really busy harvest season. So a lot of these tips can actually be applied to any aspect of life, but they are particularly what I use when we're in the full-on harvest, which for us here in the Pacific Northwest is in August through September. And at the time of this recording, we're just going into September. And so it is a very top of mind and very applicable to the season that we're in. So I'm really excited to have you join me. And part of today's, the birth of today's podcast, so to speak, um, was from one of you, one of my listeners. Um, Autumn Facebook messaged me and I was, I would love to hear from you guys. And if any of you have anything that you would like to know more on or would like some help in an area or would just like to hear me cover in a podcast, I would love for you to contact me. You can do so on the website. You can shoot me an email. It is melissa at melissaknorris.com um, or on social media. So anyhow, Autumn, thank you so much for reaching out. And today's episode is dedicated to you. And I know that there's so many of us we struggle with trying to fit it all in. We are a society who seems to thrive on busyness and getting more done, and it can be really difficult. And so I want to share these tips because this is how we manage and how I manage to do what we do um, on the homestead and has really become invaluable and helpful. And so I want to pass that on to you as well. And we also, this is episode 89, as I mentioned, on the podcast. And so you can always go to listen to previous episodes at melissaknorris.com, click on the podcast button, and then all of the episodes are listed by number and title, so you can catch those there. And one of the ones, um, this time of year with the fall, we don't normally think about it, planting um, and the health of our soil because usually we're focused more on getting all of the harvest in and preserving the harvest and putting it up for winter. But I want to draw your attention to episode number 38, and that's Fall gardening prep to improve your soil. So it's 10 different ways that you, 10 different methods that you can use, pick which works best for you to improve your soil now with letting winter do the work for you without you having to do a ton of work. So you can set it up now and then your soil will be greatly improved come springtime. So uh, just to let you know that you can go and catch that episode as well. So how to not go crazy during harvest season or let's face it, any other season of our life. Amen. So tip number one, and this is going to seem probably so simple, but it's so key, and that's to remember your why. It can be really easy to forget when we're exhausted, when we're tired, when we've got a million and ten things to do, why we decided that this whole homesteading, grow it and preserve it yourself thing was such a good idea. I mean, literally, you can be up to your elbows, no joke, in green beans, waist high or taller in your tomatoes, and the weeds are towering even taller. And I'm just saying that I think it's a sign of a good gardener when there's a few weeds about. At least that's what I tell myself because there's always a few weeds or stragglers that don't belong there, uh, no matter which method I use in the garden. If we're using the mulching method or, um, you know, cover crops or whatever, there's always some weeds in there. Now, a lot of them can actually be edible. We could get to that in another episode. But I'm just saying don't beat yourself up if you've got weeds. The best gardeners have weeds. So I remind myself 
that I am growing this and if I'm not growing it myself because I do purchase some things, we're not able with our growing season to grow everything ourselves here and there's still some things that I want, but I'm able to purchase it in season and then preserve it so that we can eat on that year round. And I remind myself that I'm doing this because I am feeding my family healthy food that doesn't have pesticide loads and is not genetically modified, um, which I believe that things that have a lot of pesticides on them that use a lot of chemicals and that are genetically modified organisms can greatly impact our health in a negative way. I have noticed a huge increase and change in my own health since we started eliminating a lot of processed foods and specifically genetically modified foods and moving toward a more um, natural, though that's such a vague, broad term, but moving towards things that are just as God created them in that state. And not to say that we don't still eat some processed things because we do. Let's let's be honest and real here. But we have drastically changed a lot of the foods and the way that we eat them. And it has made a huge impact on my own health. So I have to remind myself of that, how far that we've come and what a difference it's made and that it's worth it. So not only is it improving our health, but we drastically cut our food bill down by growing and preserving our own food. And like I said, even when I'm purchasing food um, in season from local sources. So for example, I don't have a huge, I don't actually have a pear tree on our homestead. We have a mini orchard, but pears and peaches aren't one of them. So I purchase from farmers where we live in here in Washington state. Um, we live on the west side of the North Cascade Mountain Range, so we have a shorter growing season. On the east side of the North Cascade Mountain Range in Washington State, which we always just call Eastern Washington, they have a, a longer growing season. They're a lot hotter. They're a lot drier. And so they can grow peaches and a lot of the different fruits of a longer growing season than we can. So um, there's some farmers over there, and this is actually a great tip as far as saving money if you do have to purchase items. You're not growing it all yourself on the homestead to still preserve up, and that is to see if you can find a local orchard or a local farm, and local may not mean like right next to you. It might mean a few hours away, depending on where you live, but if you can purchase it directly from the grower, one, you get to talk to them and ask them their growing practices. So I actually purchased, um, I purchased, I think, about 30 pounds of peaches this year, and they're not certified organic, but I got to talk to the farmer. Um, he has an apple orchard right next to his peaches that is certified organic, but his peaches aren't certified organic, um, but they are very low spray. There's a few um, sprays that they have to do at the very first of the season in accordance with uh, Washington State growing laws, and so that's the only spray that they have on them. So they're not certified organic, but uh, you know, talking with him and his practices, I felt confident in purchasing them. And because I'm purchasing them directly from the orchard and there's no middleman, the cost is much cheaper and I'm getting them in bulk. So I'm getting a great deal. So for example, I just got um, 20 pounds of number two peaches for $11. That is a screaming deal, you guys. And so the difference is a lot of times you'll see number ones and number twos. So number ones are kind of like the perfect fruit. You know, there's um, they're all uniform size. They're all really large. They don't have any blemishes on the outside. And your number twos are of a lesser visual quality. Um, they're still good fruit, but they're going to be less uniform. A lot of times they'll be slightly smaller, um, especially when you're talking about peaches. They might have some splits in them. But if you're using them for canning and you're going to be cutting up, especially if you're doing things like fruit butters or different items like that where you're not actually just looking at the whole fruit anyways, they can save you a lot of money and be a great way to go in purchasing your stuff and preserving it up. So that's what a 
bonus tip. I didn't actually have that included when I was counting out my eight, so we're gonna call this nine now. <laughs> so that's one and two there. Remembering my why is our heirloom seeds give us the ability and the practice of growing our own food and the preserves that we put up. It's all an assurance to me that we're not getting it from the grocery store. So I'm not dependent on a grocery store for my garden seed and replanting it every year, or not necessarily just a grocery store, but having to order it or purchase it from someone else and the items that we put up ourselves. So it's an insurance policy against the unknown um, and a preparedness plan we can count on because we're doing it year in and year out. Practice is so key when you're doing something, especially if you are doing it. I know some of you who are listening aren't just for homesteaders, but you also believe in being prepared, though I'm not really a full-on survivalist site, so to speak. But if you're not actually doing it and then an emergency of some sort comes up, it's way harder to do it under stress than it is to just learn and go through it and be able to have a learning curve that's not going to impact your family um, in a really huge way. So I highly recommend to get started um, doing it. If, if it's on your wish list and want to do, you can start out small. You don't have to be full scale, but I highly recommend doing that um, in little baby steps and working your way into it and starting now. So all of the whole thing is in preserving myself is insurance to better, higher quality food that will nourish our bodies. And it pulls together us as a family unit. So if you need to, if it's hard to remember all that, because that was a whole lot <laughs> that I just stated there. Those were my reasons. If you need to, write out your why. And you can write it in a condensed thing, put it on a note card, slap it on the front of the fridge, wherever you're going to be looking at often, to remind yourself in this season why you're doing it. You know, and why you're doing it, it could be different reasons than why we're doing it. It might be saving money by growing your own groceries and putting up your own food in your pantry, and then in turn, what you're gonna put that extra money towards. So maybe it's building up a savings account, maybe it's paying off debt, maybe it's a vacation, ain't no shame in that. <laughs> maybe it's a higher quality of food on the items you don't grow yourself. Maybe it's a night out when you're not cooking or pulling weeds, amen? That, that might be one of my whys right now. <laughs> So tip number two on the official list is prioritize. Um, and this is true like with anything that we're doing in life, if you're running a business, if you're keeping your house clean, um, just anything. There's this fallacy that we can and that we're supposed to do it all. And I tend to fall into this line of thinking myself, but no one can do it all. We weren't meant to do it all. And we need to let go of that notion that we can and we're supposed to do it all. This has probably been the one thing that has helped me the most on my time management, and that's picking the things that absolutely have to be done today and realistically can be done in a day because sometimes I will have a list of like 10 things that I think absolutely have to be done in a way and there's done in a day and there's no way that they could be done in the day. So it's being very realistic and putting down the things that have to truly be done today and then leaving the rest. You know, it's we don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. There is so much wisdom in the Bible, and that is so true. So when it comes to preserving the harvest, there are some things that can be preserved and dealt with later. And this is how I determine what I'm working on and what we're preserving and we're doing right now. And that is tomatoes. 
tomatoes freeze just fine and they actually can be easier skinned without doing the hot water blanching if you're doing sauces and things where you sauces where you need the skin removed on the tomatoes to can them so if you are super busy and you've got tomatoes that are ripe this also works if you have tomatoes that are ripening at different times and you don't really have enough ripe tomatoes at one time to be bothered with canning because of the amount Throw them in a freezer bag and toss them in the freezer. And then until one, you have more time available or you've got more tomatoes available. And then all you have to do is start letting them thaw, running them under a little bit of warm water and the skins will come right off. So all of my berries and cherries and grapes, those fruits can be frozen and then later turned into jams, jellies, syrups, pie fillings, fruit butters, whatever it is you want to do very easily. So if I only have enough time to do one preserving thing for the day, I pick that which can't wait or be held off. So green beans and cucumbers have top priority for me, mainly because crisp pickles happen when with fresh, just picked cucumbers. And this is true even if you're doing fermented pickles. The, as soon as that pickle is picked off of the vine and the sooner it's thrown into a saltwater ice bath or started into the pickling process, However you're doing it, the more crisp pickle that you have, and ain't nobody wants soggy pickles, right? Ugh, no. So for me, when the cucumbers are on, they get top priority. If I don't have enough cucumbers to can or to do a full run of canning pickles, then I'll just toss them in the jar for another batch of fermented pickles because you can easily make fermented pickles um, as small down as like a pint if you want. You could do one pickle if you wanted at a time. So that's kind of how I determine which way to preserve the, the pickles pickles, cucumbers, um, when I'm turning them into pickles is using that method. So we count on our green beans as one of our main vegetables for the year. So when the growing season is done here and I'm not really being able to harvest any fresh vegetables, our canned green beans are our go-to. And I don't ever purchase green beans from the store. My family's been raising our own strain of heirloom pole green beans for over four generations or 100 years or more. And so that's one of our prime things that we put up in our food storage. So when those are ready to pick and can, they get my main focus. So usually in about two, three weeks tops, um, when they're prime um, putting out their harvest and are ready to be harvested, I put up anywhere from 60 to 80 jars of green beans. So for those, that short period of time, those two weeks, that's kind of my main focus. So anything else that comes up in the garden at that time, it's going to either go into the freezer or it's going to be put a little bit on the back burner. This is true too, is because I've prioritized that the green beans mean a lot to us. Then if someone offers, because we, I live in a blessed area and I have great neighbors and friends. If we have a bumper crop on something, everybody's been really good about saying, Hey, do you want some of this? I've got like way too much or I've got extra. But if it's in that season or it's in that time where I'm focusing on the green beans and I know that I can't realistically get to and preserve that before that food would go bad, then I just pass on it because I've got my priorities. So like I said, this is true and applicable to so many areas in our life is just knowing what's important and anything else that comes along, if it's going to take away from that, then we just have to say no. So apples store quite well in the fridge or if you have a root cellar, or root cellar type area with proper humidity and coolness, they will do really well there. So if I have other crops that need to be canned or preserved, I give them my attention time because I know that the apples will wait. And if you are picking the fruit, and this is true of any fruit or vegetable, always leave the stem on. So this is gonna help it store longer because once the stem is removed, then oxygen can get into the fruit and start to break it down faster. So if it's got the stem on, you're gonna have a lot longer shelf life. And typically pears and peaches, when they are 
picked off the tree, they're not really ripe yet. So for example, I just got 25 pounds of pears and I know when I got them, I knew that they were green. Pears don't ripen on the tree. They actually ripen when they're sitting. So I can throw them in the fridge and it's going to take them a week or more to ripen up. So I can kind of gauge by knowing what other vegetables I've got or fruits to put up during that time. If I don't have anything else, then I'll let them sit out on the counter. Same thing with the peaches, and I'll let them ripen up quicker, usually about two to three days. Um, but if not, then I can put them in the fridge. So it's kind of knowing and gauging when your harvest and your crops are coming on as well. So you can kind of stagger a little bit, have a little bit of playroom on when they absolutely are at their peak and need to be preserved. Because it's really best when we preserve things when they're at their peak. Um, we don't want to let them start getting overripening or going, you know, degrading down. So tip number three put up what you're really going to eat. So when I'm deciding what to preserve, I go with the foods that I know we're going to eat a lot of and that we're going to use up. So I made it some spicy plum sauce a couple years ago and it is great. It's wonderful, but I know that my family is going to eat more applesauce and plum butter than they will the spicy plum sauce. So I'm not saying don't try new fun canning recipes because that is one of the joys of canning is finding new fabulous recipes. In fact, it can kind of be an addiction. But when you're pressed for resources, go with the true and, and trusted that you know your family's going to eat and that you're going to go through. So my family loves strawberry and blueberry jam. And I made white grape jelly a few years ago, and I still have a jar in the back of the pantry. So I know that that's not one of their favorite jams or jellies. And so I haven't made any in the past couple of years just because I know it's not a big mover in our pantry. And so I'm going to put my time and resources to something else. Tip number four. Preserve it in the for form where you'll get the most use out of it. So this is going to come down to personal preference most of the time. But for example, with apples, I love to make home canned apple pie filling as it's a base for not only pies, but also for cakes and quick desserts if you want to do apple dumplings or whatever. So I like to have that on, on hand for its versatility and because we love it and we go through it. Applesauce. Applesauce we eat over pancakes. Oh, it's amazing if you heat it up and put it over biscuits. Oh my gosh, one of our favorites. Just by itself, right? Just good old applesauce. Or you can then turn it into a thicker butter by cooking it down. You can make it into fruit leather. I use it in place of oil a lot when I'm baking. So this means that I get a lot more mileage out of a jar of applesauce than I'm going to get out of a jar of apple jam. So it's not that I don't like both, but if I'm pressed for time, I go with the most versatile way of preserving that I can then use it in the future. Same thing for tomato sauce. So I can turn basic tomato sauce into pizza sauce, spaghetti sauce, um, add it into soups and stews at the time of cooking or preparing whatever it is I'm cooking. So it's a lot faster for me to make a quick basic tomato sauce than it is to simmer or chop up onions and garlics and herbs and a note. Only use approved canning recipes only when you're going that route. Um, but I can quickly alter it at the time of use. And my basic tomato sauce recipe can be both water bath canned or pressure canned. So in the show notes for this episode, again, it's number 89. Um, I will share the link to that in there because I have the tutorial up on the blog and that's super easy and I'll show you the method that I use and then you can can it either way. So tip number five, schedule in the time. Again, I know these seem so basic, but they work because simple is usually better. Let's face it, we all have the same 24 hours in a day. And while generally speaking, we can't take off from work to get our harvest and preserving in, but if you've got extra vacation hours and want to use them, I think that's a great idea. Uh, but we can block out time where we'd normally be watching television, maybe reading a book, scrolling on Facebook, and maybe even sleeping. Though I don't like to sacrifice sleep, um, 
as a regular thing or on a routine basis. So we really need, oh my goodness, at least around seven hours of sleep. And personally, I function the best on eight hours of sleep in order for me to stay healthy and function. And it's just part of our regular schedule. I have burn the candle at both ends, so to speak, and I have suffered the health consequences of doing it. So this is not something that I do very often, but during harvest season or every now and then, then I'll do that. So during harvest time, I know that I can't can a run at eight o'clock at night, but I can go to bed at say nine or nine thirty instead of 10. And I can get up at five or five thirty AM instead of six and get a run of beans in done or whatever the run of canning that I'm doing, I need to process before I leave for work. So that might mean skipping some of my normal activities during this shorter harvest season. So once the food is in the canner, then I can sneak in what I'd normally be doing at that time while keeping an ear on it, like it might be a shorter workout, or I might work on um, a writing project that's not big and expansive. But it's this is totally going to depend on your schedule, but I bet if it's a priority, which takes us back to that other tip, that you can find some wiggle room and you can figure out a way to get some of that preserving time in during the week. Tip number six, split it into batches and get help. So if I'm scheduling an early morning canning run, then I make sure that the produce is picked the night before and prepped. So if it's green beans, they're picked the night before, they're in the fridge. If it's fruit, the fruit is ripe. I know that I've got all of the supplies that I need for the recipe or however I'm preparing it ready to go. Or if I'm doing broth, then I put the um, bones and everything in the slow cooker and let it simmer all night so that in the morning um, I'm just going to be ready to go. And so I'll kind of do it in, in batches and processes. If I'm planning on canning a run of beans when I get home from work, which normally I get home at about 7 p.m., and the, my husband and my kids actually get home before me. So they'll pick the beans and start snapping them so that when I get home, I just have to start canning them. So enlisting the help of all present hands on the homestead is a huge help. It also teaches our kids where their food comes from, how to work together as a family, and it just is plain needed in order for us to live this lifestyle with both my husband and I working outside the home. It's just, it's the way it is. So our motto here is pretty much if you eat it, you help put it up. You help raise it, you help take care of it. So that's how we roll around here. Tip number seven, celebrate what you've accomplished. I think it's a homesteader thing to always want to do more. Maybe that's just my personality, but I'm learning that there's a danger in not celebrating and enjoying what you're doing and you've already done. So if you've harvested one thing from your garden, that's one item of food you didn't buy from the store. If you can, five jars of food. That's five things you can feed your family this winter. So a lot of times instead of looking and being like, oh my goodness, I still need to do this and this and this and I've got to process this and we've got to bring this in and i got to get that going, is to just kind of take a minute, sit back and look at what we've already done and it just kind of gives you a feeling of um, relief and that it gives you a little bit of burst of energy to then go on and tackle the next thing. And then tip number eight, and this is one of the most important. I don't want to say we saved necessarily the best for last, but improvise when needed. So I just want to clarify, I'm not talking about taking shortcuts with canning or safety procedures because that can get you into big trouble and we are not an advocate for that. However, if you didn't get the fall garden seeds started from seed like you wanted, grab some starts from the nursery and slap them in the ground. No shame in that. 
who cares who started them and if they're a week or so late. And I may be talking about myself this year. Um, if you waited too long and it's way too late for even starts to go in, sow a cover crop or throw down some good compost and manure. And you can catch that, like I mentioned in the previous episodes, number 38, on things you can do for your fall garden now. But my point with all this is just go with what you can do at the time. Don't beat yourself up about it if it wasn't quite what you wanted to do. You can try and plan better from next year. Um, but I think two times often we get really stuck in the way we think that it should be done or the way so-and-so said to do it or an expert. And we have to do what works for us in the season of life of where we're at. Those are the tips that I use. I would love to hear if you have tips. I would love to hear them. Um, you can go to the blog post, like I said, at mostkingnorris.com and share them in the comments. For the rest of us, uh, you can shoot me an email, put them on social media. I would love to see those. And speaking of more great things to help you with your self-sufficiency is I have a free video series that I have got for you guys. So if you've not logged in and gotten that, totally free, go to melissaknorris.com slash buy free videos. So it's a free video series that if you're concerned about all of the GMOs and the chemicals in your food, you can learn how to can at home without pesticides or chemicals while still practicing safe canning practices. I, that's really big for me. So the first video is canning safety and operation. Um, and then how to optimize in video two, the produce that you're already growing. So you can learn my tips for getting a larger tomato harvest with one simple tip, plus what to do if your blossoms aren't setting into fruit. Instead of planting more, learn how to get the most from what you already have. And we only use organic and natural methods with our food. And this is really important for this time of year, especially is a lot of people want to seed save, which I am a huge advocate of and love. But you need to know the critical step in order to successfully seed save. So many of us want to stop buying our garden seed from the store every year. And heirloom seeds and seed saving is how man survived and planted his food for thousands of years since the beginning of time when God created nature and us. But in order to be successful, you have to know about cross-pollination and what it means in your seed saving. To get access to all of this awesomeness, like I said, just go to melissakinoris.com slash five free videos and you will get them. And so today I'm excited. I wanted to talk about our verse of the week. And this one was just so fitting because we are in that growing and harvest season. And it's from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7 through 8. So neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but only God who makes it grow and become greater. He who plants and he who waters are equal, one in aim of the same importance and esteem. Yet each shall receive his own reward wages according to his own labor. And I actually really like that because sometimes we're planting and we're putting in our garden, and this is in the very little literal sense, and we have like an awesome harvest. Like I'm like, I am a master gardener, like patting myself on the back. We are so good. And then other years, and of course it's always a learning curve, but then other years you have something come up that's never came up before or the weather just didn't quite cooperate like it normally does. And you're like, hmm, maybe I'm not quite so hot. I really have a feeling that God likes to try to keep me humble and he knows me best and knows that I need that. But what I love about this is it reminds me basically God is in control. He is the one who is determining everything. And even though 
sometimes I would like to think that I am the one that's doing a lot of things. It's all him. And that's actually a great relief because when I mess up, I know that he still has it in control because he was in control all along. And usually when I mess up, it's because it's at my own folly and I'm trying to do things on my own without him. Um, it just reminds me that all of the gifts that we have been given and the things in my life, that it's because of God. And anything that is growing or any area that he wants us to grow in, each of us individually, then he is going to make that happen. And so, of course, I need to listen to his instruction and do and act on the things that he has given me or that I'm feeling that he's leading me in. But ultimately, it's not on my shoulders. And that is a huge relief because we have so many things that fall on us and that can weigh us down in this world. And so just knowing that he has it and that he's in control and that everything that grows and is wonderful and is going to grow in my life is not determined and up to me, that it's just up to me relying on God and knowing that he's got it covered and he's going to bring the growth where it needs to be. So I hope that that gives you some comfort and maybe a little bit of perspective today. And thank you so much for listening to today's episode. And I can't wait to talk to you next time.